You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. I want to talk this morning about evangelism. And whenever, if I was sitting in your seat now, I'd be shutting down and, and thinking, right, how long till coffee? Shine, Jesus, shine. When I was in my teens, I was in sixth form, our church and the churches in Retford, North Nottinghamshire, chose to get together and do a Make Way March. I don't know if you remember them. Make Way Marches were, the, the, one of the best things about it was it brought churches together and we had a, a, a band that was made up of musicians from all the churches in Retford. And we got together and someone got hold of a flatbed lorry and we drove the lorry through, got the council's permission, got police supervision. We had a Make Way March all the people marching down the street and we'd stop at certain places and um, at certain points that were agreed and the band would play and we'd sing songs and, um, and I was on the drums on this flatbed lorry hiding behind a cymbal so no one would see me and because uh, that was my uh, strength of faith, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel so I'll play the drums and hide behind them. Um, so anyway, I thought I'd got away with it and then that was on a Saturday and Sunday everybody's buzzing and no new Christians or anything, but anyway, it was still a lovely, lovely event. Um, there might have been some new people who just came to see this awesome drummer, uh, but they'd come from another church. Um, so, <laughs> or maybe not. So that was fine. Thought I got away with it. And we're kind of in the moment as people sometimes. And so by Monday morning, I'd forgotten all about it until I got into the, the common room at sixth form. And uh, one of my best friends said to me, hey, John, were you on some... some I don't know what it was. Were you out playing drums in the street on, on, on Saturday? And I said, oh, yeah, that, that would have been me. Um, yeah, that would have been me. Did you, why? Did you see me? And he says, no, no, it was my dad. He was trying to place a, book, uh, place a bet in Ladbrokes, and he couldn't get in because he said, there was John Petz playing the drums and everybody singing, Jesus wants me for a blooming sunbeam. <laughs> Sharing the faith at its best. Jesus wants me for a blooming sunbeam. That's all he could remember of our attempts. Well, I'm sure it was, <laughs> it was good. So what is evangelism? Um, let's think of evangelism as spreading the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness, or maybe and personal witness. And today I kind of want to take the pressure off and also put the pressure on at the same time. So it's to remind us that we are called to share the gospel, but to take the pressure off about how those methods might take place, because you might not be the sort of person who feels comfortable standing on a street corner preaching. And I wish some of the people who did that didn't feel as comfortable doing it, actually. But you might feel that there is a call for it at times, um, but you might not feel that's you. You might not feel able to, to preach in certain ways. You might feel uncomfortable sharing the faith sometimes because you, you are um, a tim timid person by nature. And I think God understands that, or you're maybe a little bit introverted. But for some of us, there may be a case where God does want to bring us out of our shell a little bit and help us to have confidence. But that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not for me to drum into you. That's for him to work on your life. But what I, I did want to say was um, there are different stages in coming to Christ. And I know there is there has to be one decisive moment where we say, yes, Jesus Christ, I make you the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And, and I choose to live for you today and for, for always. Um, that, there is a decision to be made. There is information to take on board and there is a decision to be made and there is a decisive moment. However, this is 
one version on the screen of what has been called by many the Engel scale, and it's by a guy called Engel, who, who tried to help us understand uh, decades ago that there are stages in coming to Christ. And you can see um, somewhere around, um, well, it starts at point one, where there's, there's no awareness of God, and goes up to point 15, where they're sharing their faith with others. Um, but some of us are better at facilitating one stage than others. So some people are just really good at leading people to Jesus. They're just really good. They just find it easy. It's, it's almost as if it's just it's, it's, a, it's just, it's almost like it's a spiritual gift. They're just really good at doing that, that end point of bringing someone across the threshold into faith. Others of us are just really good at befriending people and showing the love of Jesus through their everyday actions. And I just wanted to encourage you that very often you're sharing your faith just by living a good Christian life. And so don't, don't worry too much if you're a bit scared of telling the gospel, although there may be a time where God calls you to do that. And I hope there is. I hope that happens more and more. But let's not just think of evangelism as converting people. Let's just think of evangelism as a process and we're just helping people. In fact, it might not just be about you. You're not ready to deal with, uh, I don't know, step 10 there, uh, make, helping them with their decision to surrender to Christ. It might be more about them. They might not actually be at that point. They might not actually be ready for it anyway. And you feel like you've got to ram the gospel down their throat, but actually they're just not ready to hear that right now. And maybe the Holy Spirit is already working on that person, but you're just trying to force them to a point that they're not ready for. Because God is a good God. He understands that person. He knows what they need at that time. And we need to tap into that. We need to understand what it is the Holy Spirit's doing in that person's life. They might need a lot of love first before they start understanding who Jesus is. So that's just one little thing to help us think about it. But a far better thing is to think about, I think, the parable of the sower. In Mark chapter 4, very short summary, farmer sows some seed. Jesus tells this amazing story. He's talking in a uh, farming community. There's lots of people there that will, that will understand this. So he's using relatable content. And he tells, he's, he's spilling out these pearls of wisdom about farming. And some of them might have been thinking, well, I know a lot about farming. You're a carpenter. What are you doing? A carpenter telling a farmer how to farm. And, and what's more, it doesn't seem like you're giving any information we don't already know. Some, some fell on a path. Some fell on some rocky places. And some among thorns. And some on good soil. Well, he's a pretty careless farmer then, isn't he? I mean, surely he'd try and aim it all in the right place. And then the seed in the good soil grew and reproduced. Wow, Jesus, that's amazing. Really? That's the end of your story? There's no twist? There's no, there's no plot twist? There's no problem to solve? There's, there's got to be more to this than what you're saying. You're teaching us, this carpenter's teaching us about what seeds do. There's got to be a deeper level. And of course, there was. So the, the reading this morning I wanted to look at is where Jesus later on explains a parable to his disciples. And as we look at it, I'd like us to consider different types of people who might receive the gospel and what it might be like. Because I believe we need to be thinking more about evangelism in our own personal lives. Let's have a look first of all. Jesus explains, the farmer sows the word. The farmer sows the word. 
I'd like to suggest to you this morning that you are the farmer. You are the farmer. This isn't about Jesus doing his work. It is kind of, and Jesus is the word, and God sent him, and all that sort of thing. But the Bible makes it very clear that his disciples were to go and make disciples. And the only way that's going to happen is by talking and by communicating and by sowing. You are the farmer. If you're a Christian, you will be sharing the gospel. If you really are a Christian. If you really are, because by definition, a Christian is a Christ follower. And if you follow Jesus, you'll follow his teachings and instructions. And one of his instructions is to share the gospel. So if you're a true Christ follower, you will share the gospel. And if you really have, had an, if you really have had an encounter with Jesus, you will automatically be a changed person. The old has gone, the new has come, you're a redeemed person and you're full of new life and people around you should actually recognise that you're different. So automatically, just by living your life, there should be a change and so you're sharing the gospel, even in that way. If you're a true Christian, you'll follow Jesus and, and do as he says, and you'll, you'll share the word. But if you're, a, if you're a true follower of Jesus, you'll be so changed that people will notice and they'll see a difference. You'll be sharing the gospel whether you like it or not. Out of you will flow this hope. So I believe that you are the farmer and so um, I and I'm trying. I, I do my bit. I I I ask the Lord to speak through me when I'm you know walking through Brixham as I frequently do and 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 just meeting people and doing things. I just pray that the Lord would would give me moments where I can just say the right thing at the right time. And and it's hard. I know it's hard. Some people find it easier than others. But if if it was just me doing that, how less effective is that than if everybody's just trying, just 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 asking the Lord. Help me to be a good farmer today. Help me to sow some seed in some good places today. But please be aware that this Engel scale that I talked about really is talking about different people in different places and they're not all quite ready to receive the news. And that's what I think this parable is about. Some people, this is Jesus speaking now, explaining the parable of the sower, and he says that some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Satan takes it away. You know when you try and explain something to someone or you're talking to someone, it's just in one ear and out the other. In one ear and out the other. Parents, we know what that's like when we're trying to explain, um, you know, your kids on their whatever device they're on and you've told them that they need to remove the, that dirty washing from behind the door and put it in the washing basket and it's in one ear and I, yeah, 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 yeah I'll, I'll do it, yeah, I'll do it. Or you're just asking them to do something, it's in one ear and out the other. It's almost as if the sound waves have kind of been real in physical terms and they've reached the ear but they just haven't, it just doesn't go anywhere. But why does Jesus say that's Satan at work. That's a bit strong, isn't it? Why didn't Jesus say, yeah, you know when I said that there's some seed that goes on the path and the birds come and eat it and take it away, that's like people who hear the gospel but it's in one ear and out the other. They just didn't listen properly. Why did he have to say it was Satan? 
It's a bit extreme, isn't it? Satan takes it away. Well, I would refer you back to what we've been talking about probably all year on and off, that we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And when it looks like on the, in the physical that they just weren't even listening, the Bible talks about how the, the, the enemy does have a, a strong sense of um, authority in this world. And he has blinded the eyes, it says. He's blinded the eyes of those who don't yet believe. You could say he's deafened the ears of those who don't yet believe. Satan is involved in that process. So how do we respond to those people who we, we feel like we want to share something with them, but it's just bouncing, you know, you, your words just bounce off you and hit you back in the face. They're just not hearing it. I would just say keep praying, don't give up. You might have been like that once before you came to Christ. People carried on praying for you. For those people, just keep praying, don't give up. Just keep showing love, keep showing up, be consistent and remember that Jesus still died for them. However much they reject your words, however much they spit it back at you, however much Satan is at work in their lives and they don't even know that, just keep loving them and keep praying. It's real. Don't feel bad. Don't feel like you've failed as an evangelist. Just keep praying and keep loving that person. The second thing was others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. They receive it with joy. They hear it and they receive it with joy. This is the only soil type that mentions receiving it with joy. We've got some rocky soil soon and some good soil. Um, in, in both cases, Jesus doesn't say joy. But in this case, these are the enthusiastic converts that don't last since they have no root, they last only a short time. Where trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. You may have seen Christians come and go who've received the word gladly and with joy and they become part of a church for maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months. It's a normal thing to have a dropout rate. It's not nice, I don't like it, it's not something I want to be um, saying really, but it, it does happen. If you, if you have 10 people um, put their hand up in, a, in an evangelism thing, you, you know, I preach the gospel maybe on um, a, a Christmas carol service that we're going to have at Berryhead and, and 10 people give their lives to the Lord, we'll all be celebrating, wouldn't we? Probably only eight will come back the next Sunday and only six of them really understood what they were doing, and only four end up getting baptised, and only two of them stay in the church. I mean, I'm just being real. It's what I've seen over all of my life in church. So some fall away. They receive it with joy, but they fall away. And it's the troubles. It's the persecution. It's, it's realising that actually this, this whole Jesus thing, yeah, it's wonderful. I feel this, this lightness in my spirit about this thing that I've found, but actually life's just too hard. Let's just get real, guys. I can't keep doing this God thing. It's just too hard for me. Well, how do we respond to those people? Keep loving them. Keep praying for them. Don't feel bad when that happens. Don't feel it's your fault. You know, maybe you've been involved in their conversion and you were there when they received with joy. Don't feel bad. But don't judge them either. Okay, that's not, that's not your job. Just love them and pray for him, and stay in touch. Just stay in touch. Paul's been talking about these coals that fall out of the fire. 
They're like people who fall away from the church. And I think we've got more people around still living locally that don't attend, that have done in the past, that are in this room right now. Just a guess. And Paul's point that he felt the Lord saying was, those coals that have fallen out of the fire, it's still combustible material. They can still be brought back in. And our job is not to say, well, where have you been all these years? It's to welcome them, to just leave the door wide open and the welcome mat ready and the coffee on and say, welcome home. It's great to see you. We've missed you. We love you. Let's welcome people back. Okay, so let's move on and think about the third type of soil. Others, ah, they're sown among the thorns. Well, they hear the word, but the worries of the, this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word. If you look at that, most of it's down to things, stuff, as I like to say, possessions, wealth and worries. I think wealth and worries sum it up. And actually, I feel like a lot of our worries are tied up in things to do with wealth anyway. They don't receive it gladly this time. It doesn't mean they don't believe it. Think about the rich young man who ran up to Jesus and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me dip good, blah, blah, uh, sell all you have, give to the poor. The man went away sad because he had many possessions. Didn't go away angry because he didn't agree with Jesus. He didn't go away confused because he didn't understand Jesus. He went away sad. If he went away sad, doesn't that mean he actually believed it? Because if he didn't believe it, it wouldn't sadden him, don't you think? News can only make you sad if you believe it's true, if it's bad news. So they receive this information, they actually know deep down inside it's true, but worries and wealth get in the way. Let's be real, that's going to happen. There's going to be people and will be people that you know of that actually know the gospel is true. They know they should get caught up in church life and give more of their life to Jesus, all of their life to Jesus. But worries and wealth, they get in the way. What did Jesus feel towards the rich man. It says he looked on him and loved him. He felt compassion for him. So how do we respond to these people? Well, we, we love them and we pray for them and we're consistent and we keep living happy lives. And I don't mean fake happy. I just mean if, if we can somehow get it right in our own hearts, and I'm going to be talking about this in, in the future, if we can get money right in our own hearts, People will see that we're happy whether we've got plenty or we haven't. See, having money problems doesn't have anything to do with how much you've got because there are rich people who are more worried about money than some poor people that I know. And there are poor people who are more worried about money than some rich people that I know. So it's not about, your financial breakthrough isn't more money. Your financial breakthrough is a correct attitude towards money and putting God first and mammon way after second. God first, people second, God third and fourth and fifth and sixth and people. You get the point. So he, this, this man was sad. He went away sad because money and, and worry, worries and wealth, 
They just get in the way. We've got to love these people. And if we can just get it right ourselves, some of this hope that flows out of us, whether we've, whether we've got plenty or we've got nothing, that we live in a happy life, God doesn't mind you having money. He doesn't want money to have you. So if you've got plenty of money, but you're just living a life that just clearly isn't worried about it and you're managing money well and you're giving and you're doing good things with that money, that's going to be a great witness. It really is going to be a great witness and an example to those who are scared to cross that line. And it's fear because we put... The, the Proverbs say that the, 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 the rich man sees wealth as his fortress. And, and so there's a fear of, of vulnerability to give all of that up for Jesus. I believe mammon is, money is the, is, is the number one contender for your attention after Jesus. And so I believe fear is part of this. So anyway, worries and wealth. We've got to love these people. We've got to be a good example to them, live in happy lives. I'm not saying be fake, but I'm saying that if, we, if we've got this right, we're going to be a great example to those people. The final type, finally, a happy ending. Thank you, Jesus, for the happy ending. Others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it. Does it say with joy? Because actually, I, I just, I don't know why, I just got caught up in this whole thing that only one of them accepts it with joy. Because actually, sometimes there's tears with repentance. When we really get it, when we really get confronted with a living, pure, holy, spotless, infinite, awesome, almighty God, and we see ourselves in front of that God, there are tears of repentance. Woe is me. What a mess I am. And then, when we step over into forgiveness and find that that same God is our loving Heavenly Father and our brother who died for us, then, there's, then the joy comes. But these people, they just accept the message. It doesn't talk about joy straight away because I believe sometimes there are tears when we move towards God. They hear the word, they accept it and produce a crop. Some 60, some 30, some 100 times what was sown. Isn't that, wouldn't that be amazing to start seeing that? We've come full circle now. The people who have made a full commitment and they are good soil, they have now become the farmer at the beginning and they've joined us. They're co-farmers, they're co-sowers. They are full circle. They've, they've, they've become a sower in this story. They've come to the top of the chapter and there they are again. Um, they were just a piece of soil, but now they're a farmer. What a great thing. God took us out of the dust and made us something beautiful. And this was a type of soil that's now become a farmer. I like that. I think that's great. So in the meantime, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be loving one another so one thing I felt was a message for this church was that we need to love one another. My last message was on um, when we talked about the devil's playbook. The last thing in his playbook that I wanted to talk about was division. And I talked all about unity. Unknown to Mark, he's got a message for us that he hasn't managed to preach yet. But it's on united, about us being united by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Loving in actions and deeds, not in just words. And people will see it 
When we meet, when we start meeting, I hope it's going to be more than just this one Thursday. It's a bit of an experiment, so we're calling it the, that's kind of the pilot coffee afternoon. But when we start meeting in town, I, I just want people to notice an atmosphere about when BCC start meeting in town um, once a week for coffee. Even if it's two or three of us, maybe there's 20 or 30 of us. That'd be fantastic. What a buzz. But let there be an atmosphere of unity and love and acceptance and bringing others into the conversation that aren't part of church. Let's make it a wonderful time of fellowship. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. That's the easiest type of evangelism we can do, isn't it? If you're finding the whole idea of evangelism difficult, just start there. Start forgiving some of the people in this room um, because we all need to do that from time to time and start showing some love in the meantime. That's what we're going to do. And let's pray. Let's pray that we will see a harvest. Father God, I pray that there will be a harvest. Let us not wait for the Christmas event. Let us not wait for um, any particular event or let's not wait for some kind of dramatic move of the Holy Spirit to fall and, and, and just cause people to, to, to fall to their knees saying, what must I do to be saved? That would be wonderful. But while we're waiting for that, Lord, let us in the meantime love one another and let us sow seeds wherever you see, wherever you lead us to. Father God, I don't want us to start getting caught up in, some, um, in the trap of some evangelistic mechanism that is just a man-made construct of memorising verses and, and doing all sorts of things that, that are just our, our efforts and our attempts. I'm praying, Lord, that there will be spirit-led moments where we sow a seed and we see good soil come to flourish and that this, this little section of your church at BCC would, would grow in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.